get on the Hello everyone, welcome back to Podding Ain't Easy. This is one of our fun one-off shows that we're going to be doing every so often when we don't have anything regularly to cover. Uh, you've heard us do our top 10 favourite films that weren't Marvel or Star Wars related. Now we've realised that as fun as it was, 10 is far too many, so now we've made it harder on ourselves and cut it down to 5. So now we're doing our top 5 favourite TV shows. And we also got a little bit of a trailer to talk about as well. So joining me, as always, is the he who remains to my king, the conqueror. <laughs> we are the two sides of the same guy. Uh, yes, Carl Pierce. Hello, yeah. See, I was I was here at the beginning of time, Scott, and I'll be here at the end of time. Yeah. Well, one of the longest reoccurring things on Rogue Pines is the joke about you being here since the end of time, but Last time I made that joke, I was told I got summoned into an office saying I was bullying. It's <laughs> fine for him to make those kind of jokes. Yeah, because I'm making it about myself. I know I don't mean it. He's just doing it so the bigger boys can't use it against them and can't bill you them anymore. <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> oh, how have you been, Carl? You know, since we wrapped up our last little season we were doing with Secret Invasion and everything. How have you how are you doing? Yeah, yeah, pretty well actually. Um it's been one of the quickest sort of um remates we've done, isn't it? Because I think we recorded was it last Thursday, so it's unlike us to get recording again in less than a week. I mean, you know, if you want your space car, all you had to do was ask Jesus. <laughs> Don't be accused of smothering you. <laughs> so I mean, Scott is just so clingy. Everybody, it's it's <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> but yeah. no, how about you? Are you, are you getting any closer to your one million steps? Well, yeah, well, so I've got till the end of September to to complete it. So that's one month down. If we're recording this on the first of August, that's one month down. Last I logged my steps, I was on three hundred forty-three thousand. So, around about a third or so of the way there. Uh, but just I'm just keeping at it, you know. Weekends are the times where I do my most walking because you know I do I try to do a fair bit during the week, but it's all the case I try to fit that in amongst work and podcasts, and you know I'm exhausted by the end of it. Whereas weekends, I think I can take my time a little bit more. Yeah, it's uh, it's a hell of a lot to do, isn't it? You know, you don't realise how big a number a million is until you've walked yourself to death and you're still only a third of the way there. Yeah, although you get little uh, gifts when you do a sentiment of fundraising. I got two gifts sent to me the other day. I got a pair of Diabetes UK shoelaces. Wow! <laughs> and I got and I got a little medal as well. I'm not too sure they should be sending you gifts that you might potentially want to hang yourself with when you realise <laughs> you've still got 200,000 steps to go and only two days left. Fuck oh, me, that got dark quickly, Jesus 
<laughs> well, my next my next gift, uh, my next fundraising bit is a T-shirt. So I don't know if you can make any dark jokes for that one. Oh no! Oh, rain my macabre sense of humour in. I apologise. I apologise, listeners. We're just meant to be a positive, you know, episode. You're know, talking about some of our favourite things, but now you have to just take them the tone and just lower it, lower it down. Yeah, Carl. I think I, I made it clear to you beforehand. You know. I've watched a lot of TV in my time. You know, one of the main ways, when the way, been one of the, been one of the main ways I bond with my brother. So I've watched a fair bit of TV. So, so making the distinction from TV shows that I like or very much enjoy to what my all-time favourites are is is a bit more of a challenge. I don't know how much, how much don't know how challenging you found it. Uh not that challenging, really. I do keep thinking of. Um New ones for my honourable mentions that I keep missing. I've just another one's just come to mind now, but my absolute favourites have pretty much been set in stone for for quite a few years now. So I know quite happy with my favourites. I know what they are. The ones I always go back to. And I just love watching them that much, even though I pretty much know most of the lines of dialogue in every scene of every episode. But it, it and and then I've got the other ones that I enjoy that. You know, you'll you'll have you know some of the man rule matches that are you know concrete top tenors that if we had enough time to do ten, which we don't think we do, we would have put in there, and then some others that you know would just be outside it. Yeah, so well, I, a lot of good programs. I've really sort of the last ten, twelve years really cut down on the amount of TV I do, I do watch, to be honest. But I still watch uh, a reasonable amount. Of, Programs, but I'm quite, I'm quite a lot more selective on what I do. I do watch. I mean, I didn't, I haven't got any Marvel or uh, Star Wars stuff on here as much as that's that our main bread and butter in terms of TV shows that we cover here. I haven't put a lot of them on here because again, we re- we watch much like in the films. One is a big thing for me in terms of determining my favourites, and. I don't know how many of the ones that we've watched that came in the last few years, especially that I've really, really watched that much because it does feel like you don't have, wait, have to wait long after ones come out for a new one to come out, so you you don't get many opportunities to go back and watch them that often. At least I don't. Yeah, well, yeah, I suppose it all depends on what else you're watching, what how much time you've yeah. got in your hands, and how easily accessible some you know some programs are. Not not everything makes it onto every um sort of streaming service yeah i mean some tv shows that i have i've got the dvds for i even i've a couple of years ago i was still buying the occasional dvd which is cool because one or two tv my favorite tv shows i like do randomly get taken off of netflix so sometimes i have to go back to physical media because it's the only way i can watch some shows yeah i mean i've i've cast off quite a lot of my uh DVDs, but I've I've made sure to keep my, my favourite series, uh, my favourite films, just you know, just in case something goes peak tongue or I don't have the internet <laughs> for a while. So and I've always got them. Um, I can always I can always watch them uh, at some point. 
So, um, I think it's always good. To, you know, I look at a charity shop and I get tons and tons of DVDs donated because everyone's going to stream and I just yeah. think, you know, you're gonna, there's gonna be a point where you'll probably regret giving away some of those. I think when the end of streaming the apocalypse comes, Carl will be the one laughing in his bunker with all these DVDs surrounding him. <laughs> yeah, as long as I can get a TV and something working, no. He's <laughs> got all these DVDs, and one thing he forgot was a working player. Like, you'll be there like, no. Panel harder, the DVD started to stutter. <laughs> Why did you have to choose the four hour cut of Justice League to watch today? I can't go any longer. <laughs> <laughs> No more Zack Snyder. <laughs> it's the Batman next. Don't worry, that's an hour shorter. No. <laughs> Are you still oh. getting in prepared for this with your million steps? You'll be able to cycle forever to keep the generators going. Oh. There's a difference between walking and fucking cycling. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm not prepared for all that. You want to put me on a treadmill, maybe I can help you. I can get you through three quarters of a Zack Snyder film. Just dangle, just dangle a deep fried Mars bar on a fishing rod in front of you. <laughs> oh, that joke will never get old. <laughs> just joking, I got old ten times ago. <laughs> ten years <laughs> ago. It's not as old as me, so, you know, it's still got life left in it. The joke that remains is what it's called. But speaking of which, uh, reference to what I was talking about at the start, you know, we have a Marvel related show to talk about in terms of a trailer that dropped kind of out of nowhere. We'd been waiting for some proper info about this show for a little while. Uh, we knew it was coming out at the end of the year, but the trailer finally dropped the other day. Loki season two. Uh, we had a, a poster drop for it where it was like variations of Loki walking along this big clock with Miss Minutes face on it. And then shortly afterwards, a trailer was finally released. It comes out on October 6th uh, of this year, so very much looking forward to it. You know, Carl, literally the other day we were talking about, you know, the finale to Secret Invasion, how I said that hopefully with Loki and everything, that given that involves Kang and his variants, this will help get the MCU back on track. And I think it's really what we need after the overwhelmingly negative feedback that Secret Invasion got. Yeah, um, I mean, the trailer does look promising, but then the trailer for Secret Invasion and the first few episodes of that were promising. So you, you just don't know. They have seen, Disney have seemed to have dropped the, the ball a bit on, on, uh, these Marvel things, but hopefully, hopefully Loki will uh, book that trend. Yeah, hopefully so. I mean, uh, you think this is one of those like vital programs, I think, within the MCU, because I said it involves Kang, and he said trailers can be deceiving, but I think this one gives you, you know, enough to have some faith in it, and especially given that, you know, unlike Secret Invasion, where you're just going to the fact, oh, it's Nick Fury, surely it can't be that bad, and everything that's going to you know, it's a well-known storyline from the comics. This one has the kind of faith also, as we've talked about how much we enjoyed Loki Season 1, so it's got enough to build off of, I think. And plus, you know, getting to see, you know, Owen Wilson back as Egypt, uh, Mobius, uh, he was one of my favourite parts this season, so I'm looking forward to seeing him again here. 
Yeah, definitely. I, I really, I really enjoyed his character as well, and um, obviously um, Sylvie's back as well. Who's an important part of the show. So, mm-hmm. so you know, could have just I suppose they could have killed her off. It was left a, a bit of a weird situation the way things left with her at the end of the last series. Uh, we also see Raven Slayer. She's uh, she's back as well, so um, I think most of the important characters uh, are returning, which is always nice to see. Yeah, the one new addition we do get here, the actor's name I can not correctly remember the pronunciation, so I'm not going to do it in case it's yeah. Uh, a same here. But he uh, <laughs> he was the actor who recently, you know, he was getting all the accolades, including the Oscar, rightly deserved for his part in everything, everywhere, all at once, and. Is obviously well remembered as a child actor in films like Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom was short round and the Goonies and then he made his comeback to act and like he he was said that like the guys who wrote everything ever all at once kinda of almost wrote it for him. So that film kind of drew him back out into acting properly like full time as an adult and then he wins the Oscar for it and now he's getting all these offers. Like I'm sure he I don't know, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm sure he's he's got a part in the new Indiana Jones, and now I heard he was going to be part of a Marvel project, and here he is right off the bat. Mm. It's ironic he's working in like computer style department in the TVA when one of his well-known characters in the Goonies was called Data. So now here he is as the computer guy uh, who Mobius and that are going to to help solve wrong because Loki keeps glitching everything and jumping at time. Like you've seen that before, yeah. You know what that is, yeah. Can you fix it? No. Yeah, it's impossible to time slip and, and the T, he was it, what do they call it? TVA. And, uh, he goes, but we've just seen it happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and like, look, he's like jumping in a dream point, like he jumps to a different part of the TV, he jumps in, he's in this random parking lot with a inflatable two man flying around. I, I had a second watch and I paused it as it cuts behind him. I'm pretty sure there are jet skis in the background. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so there you go, a little continuation with, you know, Mobius's fascination with jet skis. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how they tell us how like Sylvie got out of that kind of citadel at the end of time and back to wherever she's she's trapped uh, after killing he remains. You see a bit of his citadel and it's all cracked and everything. The timelines branching off, and then you see Sylvie. And she's randomly trapped in a timeline where she's a. I mean, I'm playing McDonald's somehow. Yeah. So whether it's a, another variant of her or she, she, she sort of managed to time jump and that's where she ended up or something. Who, who knows? I'm sure it'll be explained when we get to watch it. Look at the trailer. Seems to be a fair bit that looks like it's happening in sort of Victorian times by the looks of things as well, judging by the costumes uh, and what have you. So that could be interesting as well. And that's where they see um, the Kang variant Victor Timely. Mm-hmm. I believe it's like early 1930s is this timeline they're travelling to. It. Uh, uh, I, I, I did have a look. I think this like fair they're going to where they meet Victor Timely is kind of and be almost built after like the the old like Chicago World's Fair, mm. where famously the backdrop where famous serial killer H. H. Holmes like lured a lot of victims away. There was, like there's a book written about it, which is many years ago be made into a film with Leonardo DiCaprio playing him, but seemingly never happened. And so I think they're u- using the comparisons like where H. Holmes was the, secretly using the 
that fair for his own means. This Kang variant could secretly be using the fat job of this fair for his own scientific like experiments. Like we see uh, a different variation of Miss Minutes just floating through the fair at one point in this trailer. So maybe the machine that he's unveiling is how he created like Miss Minutes. Yeah, and you see it grow really big as well, don't you? You better run! <laughs> <laughs> the clip that we see of him, of Victor Tiny as I say, that you see at the end of the Quantum Area trail, so no, no real new footage of any Kang variants in here, and as to do, I'm wondering if that was a intentional choice already, just, you know, not to give away the character too much, because he was very, him being in, Kang being in the first series was maybe the big surprise of the, Show, so also they don't want to give too much away on now, and I'm hoping it's not to do with the recent controversy. Yeah, well, it might be a little bit of both, but you know, we, I don't know what the exact ruling was in court, but he's he's um, been cleared or, or whatever anyway, so it, it shouldn't shouldn't be an issue now. Yeah. Um, plus, plus they can say they can say, like, listen, this was filmed X amount of time ago the amount of time that would take us to refilm and everything, plus a lot of the strikes and everything, it would be hard for them to get people in to, to reshoot it and everything, so they can basically say, like, listen, we're going to just see what happens after this show to see what happens with him and his involvement in Marvel. Try, you know, get ahead of it. Like, we're not trying to you know, justify what he may or may not be accused of, but as far as we know, he's been acquitted and everything, so, you know, mm-hmm. they, they try and cover their own arses here. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um, there's also a funny bit in the trailer where um, Mobius has got a, a big spacesuit on and the helmet's cracked. He says, it's cracked. He just rips off a bit of gaffer tape and <laughs> takes it over. You're good. <laughs> and then he goes out in the space that looks a lot like how the secret timeline was kind of looking, so maybe he has to go out there and help fix something to help solve a lot of the timelines, timelines like branching or whatever trying to help control things temporarily. And uh, I mean, even though at the end of the last season, he and Mobius act like he didn't know who he was in this kind of new altered like TVA, obviously that'll quickly be rectified so they can get back to the two working together as a team. And like, he explained, like, listen, you're a man of action. It shows Loki like, using his magic to throw people around. He goes, I prefer a slower, direct approach. And it's just them eating just big slices of pie. Like, it's mm. good pie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, a lot to a lot to look forward to. I think about this uh, interaction with Sylvia and everything. Though it should be interesting as well. And yeah, I, I'm I'm saying I'm more optimistic about this. Maybe maybe in like a few months' time, I'll be like, well, I shouldn't have been as optimistic as I was after, especially after Secret Invasion. But you know, I think that's the thing about like the idea of getting it back on track with the multiverse again. The multiverse is a big center point of Loki as a TV show so maybe that's why I'm more I'm more like optimistic about it whereas it's hard to tell where the hell in a few movies time what are the events of Secret Invasion really going to leave in terms of impact on the on the show, on the whole franchise Yeah there is that, I don't know I mean you got they got it so right last time you got pretty much the same cast um, so it's the same people sort of producing it and everything. So, uh, you know, there the definitely seems to be a, a clear plan here. So hopefully they don't fuck this one up. Uh, 
Those can, those can be famous last words, however. Hmm. 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 Well, yeah, all we can do is watch it when it comes out and, and see, really, isn't it? Unfortunately. Yeah. I do believe that, like, we also learned that Ahsoka is going to be eight episodes uh, in terms of length. And so we've got the two that are coming out uh, the on the 23rd of August, which we'll review like, together. And I think it will go through and like through to late September, if not early October. So it'll, it actually won't be that long in terms of turnaround between Ahsoka ending and a low-key start. And then after that, you've got all of, I don't know if the plan is still to do it, all of Echo dropping all at once rather than being released episodically. So Disney Plus, especially Marvel, are hoping for a, a bit, a strong end to the year. Especially after, like we said, Secret Invasion, maybe, well, not maybe, definitely not working the way they wanted to. Yeah, um, it's it's good that we're going to have the um, Loki not too far after Ahsoka, and both of those going by the trailer. Both of those look like it's a hit, but you know, you just can't, nothing certain, is it? Yeah, I, mean, I think with. I think with, with these two, like these are two of the ones that we were mostly supporting also Ahsoka with the history and, and Clone Wars and everything. And plus, one of the first Marvel things you covered was Loki season one, and we were both very much on board with that. So I think it is a case of, like, you have, you have previous expectations for this, whereas so it was like Secret Invasion, you just had to take them as they come. Yeah, exactly. For me, Loki was the the best Marvel sort of miniseries they did. I mean, not saying the others aren't aren't good, but I think for for me, Loki was far and far and away the best one they did. So I do I do have high hopes. Definitely. Uh, in terms of TV shows, maybe one day we'll look back on this and we'll say Loki overall is one of the best TV shows of all time and among mm. our favorite TV shows, but. We now need to take over into our top five here at TV shows. We do have honorable mentions as well, which we'll get to right before we deliver our number one picks each. But we're going to go Carl's number five, my number five, so on and so on. So, Carl, please take it away, if you will, and let people know you're number five. Okay, number five for me is True Detective. Um, primarily the um, the first um the first series. It's had three series. Uh, the second one wasn't anywhere near as good as the first. third one I haven't actually gotten around to watching yet. That's why this only breaks breaks through at number five, and I really enjoyed this first um, series. So if the other, the other second series perhaps held up, it, it might have even ended up higher than, than five. But, yeah. It stars what could be real life half brothers, um, Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey. There's two very different people, very different detectives who have different ideologies on life, different methods, um, in their work and they're put together as partners on homicide and they're looking into and they look into a case um, way back in 1995. And it's the way this sort of 
Braga is structured that makes things really interesting. It's set within like a 17-year period. The, the modern day when it came out, which I think was around 2012, 2013, uh, we, and all the way, uh, this part that happened in, I think, 2005, 10 years after the, uh, they originally got the case, and, uh, 1995. It's a case of a, um, Basically, it's like uh, they find a, a dead body, and it's a whole big sort of conspiracy and like a paedophile ring and stuff, uh, and they're trying to track down the killers and people behind it. Uh, and you sort of see that lot. You sort of see how their lives go through these. Through the different years as well, and one of my favourite things is uh, Woody Harrelson um, and his hair pieces because we know in real life he's he's quite bald and he has a in '95 he has quite a lot of hair and then in 2005 he's got a, a new hair piece with a bit less hair and and then in the modern day you get you know what he's what he's like in real life about his, about his hair pieces so I thought that's quite a nice touch sort of where showing how they they're aging and and changing and attention to to detail on that sort of thing mm-hmm. and it's yeah it's just really well done the, act, the acting spot on um the look I think it's setting sort of like like the sort of Louis Louisiana sort of sort of area, you know, sort of down uh, South America, you know, down in in the South, like we said, South America. Well, that makes it sound like <laughs> I'm talking about Brazil and Argentina then, which which isn't the case. But uh, yeah, there's other things that really really made me um, get back on board the Matthew Mahoney uh, train as well because I've been doing a lot of these rom rom coms and mm-hmm. sort of films that um, not that great. And I was starting to, you know, think maybe it's not that great of an actor. And it comes into this and stuff at like the Dallas Cowboys Club and and whatnot. And, and yeah, he's really proven himself to be. Um, a top actor, and this is one of the the projects that sort of real, you know, really pushed him back into great actor sort of category. Yeah, I mean that film where he won the Oscar for. I mean, the worst that film was all good. The worst thing it gave us was tricking people into thinking that Jared Leto was a good actor because <laughs> he was <laughs> like the main, he won like best supporting for that as well, and well. Well, let's just let's say films like Morbius have went and uh, really disputed his claim to that Oscar. But yeah, I remember the show at the time. It took me a while to get kind of through it because, well, I was actually watching it weekly, but then sometimes I miss. I went and watched the episode immediately, and plus the episodes are very long because it's only like eight or so episodes, but like they're an hour or so each. And I think the show seemed like it had a bit more buzz around it. It was like one of those shows that everyone was talking about, you know, when it comes out. And you know those shows are kind of special. And I think given that he'd won the Oscar not long before this came out, uh, it made it gave it a lot more buzz around it. And obviously Woody Allison's a big name as well. And it was that period in like the 2010s, that around this time of coming out, where you were having big-name Hollywood actors, like Oscar award winners, didn't see stuff and didn't really see TV as like a demotion anymore. Like you had a lot more bigger-budget TV shows with bigger actors, like some... TV shows were like the same budget as your average, like Hollywood film and everything. 
yeah, this and shows like Breaking Bad that just ended just before it. So I do remember that, and I think I do remember hearing a lot of people being disappointed with season two. I never finished season two. But I didn't. I didn't think it was terrible. Like if you try and judge them on their own as individual stories, then yeah. But if you're compared to this first season, then obviously it was never gonna. It was never gonna measure up. Yeah, it just might have been. Um... Yeah, one of those things where, because the first season was so good that, you know, expectations were just too high for the, for the second series. And as I say, well, yeah, it wasn't awful, awful, but it was just nowhere near the standard of the, the first series. And they sort of went away from the sort of anthology aspects of the second series as well, which was also a little bit sort of disappointing because that was one of, that was one of my favourite parts of, um, of uh, the, the the series basically seeing how you know things change throughout the years, the years and whatnot. But yeah, that's True Detective. Um, my number five. So Scott, over to you. All right, let's go. I mean, I say I didn't have a lot of, I didn't have any Marvel or Star Wars ones. It doesn't mean I don't have a superhero-related show, because the show I had fun with was one of the first shows I probably remember watching it, hearing about it uh, when it was about to come out, watching it when it came out, and I stuck through it till the end, through good seasons and very bad ones. My number five is Arrow, which uh, feels I feel bad about saying now, given that Stephen Amell's come out and said some really stupid things about these recent strikes, but that aside... I just remember how much I enjoyed, especially the first two seasons of Arrow when it came out, not being familiar with the Green Arrow character, but getting really getting into the show. Me and my brother, like it was one of the first. I don't remember many shows before that me and my brother were as into together as this one, and he and I watched it together from its beginning right up to the very last episode. Uh, we watched this show, like seasons one and two are excellent. With like Deathstroke being the baddie in the second season, especially great. Season three is okay, but you can see they're trying to make him very much like Batman in the third season with Raja Ghoul coming in and everything and some aspects that I just don't care for. And then season four, good lord, that is season four is not good at all. So then season five picked up right back up again with Prometheus as the villain and uh, the big cliffhanger ending for the early in season six. Seven is okay, but there's enough good stuff in there. It's not on the level of five or two. And then season eight is a much shorter one, which kind of wraps up their story. Like, Stephen Amell's character's, like, story and everything sets up some teases for other characters to go off to the spin-offs that never actually happened. But, you know, they, I, I appreciate the way they kept his kind of story going. And, like, they used to do, like, he was meant to be marooned on an island for five years or left stranded for five years. So through the first five seasons, every so often, Every season is a different year that he was gone. It shows you what he got up to when he was away. And then the fact that they introduced other DC characters in here and watched a whole like TV mini universe based off of this show. This is the launching pad of it. Basically, for this show, they made a better DC universe through TV shows than they and Zack Snyder could ever wish to. Yeah, I remember enjoying Arrow as well, actually. It would have been on my honourable mentions, but I can sort of get it out of the way now. And, yeah, it's... um, I I, I didn't get into it straight away at first. I watched the first 
couple of episodes and was a bit like, nah. And then I don't know why, but I started to pick it up again. And I've, and I thought, no, no, actually, I've, I've misjudged this. It's actually really good. Um, yeah. Uh, at first, I quite liked the flashbacks to what was going on, on the island, but, um, you know, he was uh, meant to be on the island for five years and, you know, season six, they're still doing these flashbacks and thinking, oh, come on, you know, you, you, you need to go to, you know, you need to do something a little bit different now. Forget the flashbacks. He's, you know, he's, that was five years ago. He's been back on mainland for five years now. But, uh, yeah, I did, uh, as you say, the first two seasons were really good. I, I liked, um, the whole death, uh, the Deathstroke angle who actually becomes, um, a, a friend again, um, yeah. late, later on, doesn't he? And as you say, I agree with you on three and four and, and the one with Prometheus. I did stop watching it after that because I moved out of my parents' house. I didn't have Sky for a while and I just never, never really got back in, uh, never really got back into it. Yeah. Season six is a weird one because, like, you could, he's trying to deal with the aftermath of it, and now he's got like a kid, everything that he has to raise, and his kids. So he's this time was he's like without him, so he doesn't really care about him. And he kind of he kind of blames him for his mum's death and everything. And like they do a weird bait and switch in that season with like who who think you mean you think one person's like Barry, then the two, then one other guy, one of his henchmen, kind of takes over and it kind of continues as a Barry into season seven. But the only issue wasn't neither of those options is that villain were very compelling, especially after Prometheus was a baddie. And then I did kind of like uh, season eight because season eight was kind of a, a sur- him preparing for his part and like the big crisis on Infinite Earth's crossover they were going to do. And then they kind of wrapped up his story. Like in the last two seasons, they did flash forwards to like his daughter in the future, and then they kind of crossed them over with her traveling back to see him. I think she was meant to lead some sort of spin-off show, which CW did a, a whole episode dedicated to them and setting it up And one of the last episodes of season eight, and they decided, yeah, we're not going to do this show. <laughs> Although as far as, even though the far as spin-offs go, when you watch the flash forwards, it actually had the most pot- more potential than most spin-offs usually do. So there was that. Um, and we're all agreed that John Diggle is the best character, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. you got to love Diggle. I think... See him be playing more of Harvest season one went on, you know, getting away from the first few episodes being very episodic and revealing just how that John Barrowman was a true was the true villain of season one and you kinda of see him especially. Oh, yeah, I, for, I forgot uh, someone who's not at all controversial either. Just oh, yeah. was in season season one. Yeah. Because I didn't know a lot about John Barrowman then feel like, oh yeah, he's done he's been in Doctor Who, he's done Phantom and everything like that and yeah. For a lot of people were like, what do you mean John Barrowman's the bad guy that you watch him in this? Like, no, no, it's very convincing. And as real life has gone on, it's come more and more convincing. <laughs> yeah, I forgot, almost forgot about the, the comments I read from Stephen Amell about the strikes earlier on today. But uh, that aside, I'm just looking at Arrow as a TV show because I'm just trying to remember in terms of either we were watching earlier or how I felt when I was watching them. And like, you know, this is one of the ones where like, you've shows that have multiple seasons that go on for like years went from like twenty twenty one to like not long before the pandemic this ended and you know because he then went on moved on to do heels. So like this was like good like eight years at least the show and I 
I it's one of the few shows I followed like all the way through, like from the first episode onwards. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, uh, I like some of the crossovers as well. Like when um, the Flash started, I mean that was quite good for the first couple, two or three seasons as well. But I got a bit, I got a bit too samey for me, so I stopped watching that before I stopped watching Arrow. But I did enjoy some of the crossover events uh, to begin yeah. with. And the guy I can't remember his name though, he played the police captain in the first. Few yeah. seasons, Paul Blackthorn. He's he, he's from just down the road from me. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Stephen did joke one time about Paul Blackthorn being a bit message, you know, trying to stay in his accent. Uh, uh, and it's funny seeing him in interviews here how he actually talks. He's like, Stephen said, yeah, I, I'd hear him in the corridor just cursing out Oliver Queen just to help him stay in character. <laughs> But that is my number five, Carl. What is your number four? Oh, I'm, I'm just going to stay in gimmick and say Felicity is well worth watching it for. Well, for the first couple of seasons, then, then she became a big reason why season four is so unwatchable, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, she got she got better season five when they stopped, like when they say like let's stop with this whole sober thing. Are you together? Or are you not? Okay, get over your shit. Yeah, it, uh, it does feel like you've got to have some sort of will they want they romance in a lot of these sort of programs nowadays, doesn't it? It, it does get a bit old. Yeah, and even like ones where like because Fraser's done this same story like three times, and I was trying to follow about it when we were talking about every single episode. Like, why is this whole thing like oh a man and a woman are, aren't always arguing? That really means to like each other. Why can it never just be a case that some people are just don't? like each other. There are plenty of women out there, like, and men as well. Because I realise, as I said, that that could have been taken the wrong way. But sometimes, sometimes you just don't like someone. <laughs> yeah, sometimes people are just pricks. Anyway, uh, you're number four. So, my number four is The Blacklist. Now, this one is another one that took me a little bit of getting into with the um, the first the series, once I got into it, I, you know, became a real big favourite. And the, the anchor and the, the star of the show, um, I've just I had his name on the tip of my tongue, and now I have Jace Bader. Yeah, I was about to say it, and then for some reason my mind just blanked, as it does, in the middle of a podcast, but just at the great time. Yeah, Jace Bader, and he's just great in this role. He, he plays this... Um, Sort of American defector, I, I suppose. I suppose he is. Who's also a, a massive crime lord, and he was. Um, well, he's the, his story is he was framed for something he didn't do. He went. He, he disappeared um, from the face of the earth for about fifteen or so, fifteen or so years. I built up this uh, criminal empire behind the scenes, and then he he comes and turns himself in at the start of the first episode, um, and he'll only speak to um, this sort of newish profile called Elizabeth Keane, and the first few seasons are sort of anch- anchored on the sort of the relationship or what the relationship is between 
Raymond Reddington and Elizabeth Keane, why, you know, he makes it to her, why he's so protective of her, and, you know, there's all these different things he knows and different conspiracies that crop up in different seasons, and, um, yeah, it, it's all, it, it's all good. I think, I remember for seasons three and four, did drop a little bit, but then from season five, when he really starts sort of digging into sort of Raymond's backstory, and he might not be exactly who he says he who he says he is, and the season five, I think season five, they're searching for a suitcase which has got someone's remains in that'll prove that he's not actually Raymond Reddington, and Emma Elizabeth Keane are sort of going against each other. A fair bit in that one as he, as she's trying to get to this case to find if he is who he says he is and he's trying to keep it away from her while other people are trying to get hold of it as well. So it's all, you know, all big, uh, conspiracies. And then another good part of the first series was that, um, Elizabeth Keane's recently married and it's sort of turns out her husband might not be exactly who he says he is as well. And as the series goes on, you find out he was actually employed by Reddington to sort of spy on her. But he did actually fall in love with her in real life. Uh, well, not in real, you know, real life in the programme, not in real life, real life. But, and, um, yeah. But, yeah, he was keeping, you know, secrets from her. And he ended up, he ended up dying. I think he got her... I mean, he got another show in real life, but they, they killed him off. And he even killed Elizabeth Keane, who's like the, the sort of second principal character, um, in the, uh, in episode, the end of episode eight. So we've had the last two series. We're currently on season 10, which is, uh, to be the last series they've announced. Um, and it's still been really fun and really watchable, even with, uh, even without her. And there's other characters as well. Harry Lennox plays a great character as head of the secret FBI division that um, is off the books. And they sort of use what Reddington knows about all these different uh, criminals that even the FBI and that don't know about. That's what they call blacklisters. And he puts them in the direction um, to find them and bring them in. But he's always got an angle. Sometimes he gets to him before the FBI does because he wants to use, use them for whatever he wants to do. And sometimes he wants to get them for, uh, for his own vendettas. And so sometimes he's just, he's often at odds with the FBI team he's supposed to be helping. And yeah, there's all sorts of, all sorts of goings on. And it's, it's, it's sort of, it is very, very interesting and and cool program, but the, yeah, the main the main draw is Raymond Rudd himself, James Bader, who seems to be having the time of his life playing this this character. Have you ever seen it or know much about this one, Scott? Sorry, just as you midway you're talking, I had to mute because someone was tapping on the door, like I'm in the middle of it. <laughs> I think it was Manco was leaving. Sorry, uh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen it. I started watching the first couple of seasons because I remember seeing trailers when it was coming out. I didn't know much about James Spear, but the idea of the show looked really good. So I think I did drop off. I think you said during seasons three or four. I think that may have been around the time I dropped off. I think there was a season where at the end, I think they revealed that 
it looks like Elizabeth's been killed off, but she she actually faked her dead because she wanted to get away from. Mm. I think Alexis now has a daughter. She wanted to get away from from him. She realizes that he's maybe a bit too dangerous. And then right at the start of this new season, like she's she feels kind of bad about it. But I only got a few episodes into that season and kind of dropped off. So I didn't realize he was even still going. So maybe, maybe at some point I'll try back it up because. Yeah, the main reason to watch it, for the most part, it was Rem- was James Spader himself, and I think that kind of was a bit of a, bit of a comeback role for him because then from that he went on to do like Ultron and the Avengers, like midway after a couple of seasons of Blacklist, so kind of helped bring back him into like, public eye. Yeah, he he plays him as such a like a sort of upbeat carrots like your favourite uncle he, he sort of manipulates you and lures you into to helping him uh, <laughs> and uh, you end up doing these sort of terrible things that you wouldn't normally do because he sort of either coaxed or blackmailed you into doing it or paid or bribed you or paid you a lot of money and sometimes when he's in a spot of trouble or trying to persuade someone he goes into these massive monologues uh, just hilarious to listen to oh yeah I remember back in such and such time and I was doing that <laughs> I mean he I mean if if he put you into torture, you, you'd you'd talk just to shut him up at, at, at some time. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, I'm gonna have a go. Ah. Yeah, one thing I didn't really, I never really got about the show was the he has a list of names, but the list, the the order in which he gives the list, never seems to have any rhyme or reason. It just just did feel like he picked names like at random, like number 73, number 20, number 12 on the blacklist. But maybe it was a case of like basically whatever he needed at that point. He was like, who's someone else I can get me this one also I can help keep my deal with the, the FBI? Oh, this person here. Yeah, well, I see whoever crops up at the time as well. Something will happen and he'll bring it to their attention or that brings it to his attention. He goes, ah, that looks like um, the jackal blacklist, the number 776 or whatever. <laughs> and, yeah, and sometimes he's put them on their set because he have, he's, he wants a blacklist throughout the way or he wants to put them in his employee to help with his uh, with his own crime syndication and um, whatever he's up to. Yeah. Yeah, but maybe maybe at some point I'll get back into it, see if uh, see if maybe I, I jumped off too early. But yeah, the the series you talk the 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 series you were talking about they they, they did drop down in quality a bit, but once we sort of got more sort of into the mystery of who Raymond is and what he's up to and and what not, it, it does get a, a lot more sort of intriguing again. And Dembele is sort of bodyguard where her man gets um, bigger and, and bigger parts. He's now a main <laughs> cast me- He's now a main cast member as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember liking him. I liked him. So, so that, so that was good. He started off with a very small part, and yeah, he's now a, like a, a main character, which is, which is good. So, um, but yeah, yeah, that's the blacklist. Uh, blacklist. I've done a reasonable job of explaining it. People have never <laughs> seen it, and that's my my number, my fourth favorite program of all time. Scott, what's your number four? My number four is a British TV show. 
include here. It's a show I didn't find out about until a few years back, but I quickly found out that that's one of the ones where I did buy the DVD box of it because there's only three series of it, like six or so episodes each. It's relatively short as TV shows go. But it was good because they keep taking it on, putting it on Netflix and taking it off and put it back on again. So I got to have the DVDs just in case they ever take it off again. It's annoying uh, when that happens. Uh, it's a TV show. It, was, it went from like 2000 to like 2003. It was called Black Books. Uh, it was co-created and uh, stars Dylan Moore, an Irish comedian. Uh, it also stars Bill Bailey in it as well. Where basically Dylan Moore's character is uh, named Bernard Black. He runs a bookshop which he doesn't like going, and they never explain how he got the bookshop, but basically, he owns a shop but doesn't like working in the shop or people in general. <laughs> uh, he just wants to sit around and smoke and drink all day, and then Bill Bailey plays the guy who comes and works for him, and basically it's a case of their polar opposites, like he's a bit more upbeat and wants to help make money for the shop, whereas he doesn't want, Bernard doesn't want to deal with people at all. He can be a bit out there sometimes on the, the show, but there are... Uh, there's quite a few like cameos to these years, like people who go on to do bigger things after that in terms of like the UK. Like there's cameos from Martin Freeman, David Williams, Nick Frost, Diamond Peg has a really good one episode appearance at the start of season three where Belbio's character gets fed up and goes to work for this big bookshop bookshop chain that moves in next door and Simon Pegg plays the manager of the store and he's a he's a bit mental basically. <laughs> like, like he's got a line that he said like book selling is a game it has rules you need to learn those rules and be serious about them because it's not a game and I guess the bell be looking confused like wait what <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah I mean it's a kind of show that might not be for everyone uh, I imagine but I enjoy it I know it's a, one of the shows Paul and I have in common in terms of stuff we you know, enjoy but you know it's, it's a bit that uh, you know, it ended after three series because Dylan Moore basically was worried about this kind of character that he was portraying, this kind of Irish guy who likes smoking, drinking, complaining all the time. Like, I don't want to be typecast as that. And uh, <laughs> although if you've ever seen any of his stand-up shows, he's had a fair bit of stand-up since then. He pretty much is that in a, in a certain way. Like Bernard is almost him turned up a little bit. Uh, I believe he co-created the show with one of the one of the guys who was a co-creator, of Father Ted, as well. So. Some really good writing behind the show. Yeah, it's um, it's one I've never seen. I sort of seen clips of it, and so yeah, I am one of those people. It's not really for me, but I've got a I've got a friend who who really enjoys it, and she's often talks and references it. But yeah, it wasn't really for me that one, but I can I can see why people would enjoy it. I mean, there's, there's funny bits in the the first episode, but honestly, you could jump into the second episode and you wouldn't really have missed much. First episode explains how Bill Bailey comes to work in the shop for him, but uh, you can kind of jump on from the for the because that's when he st- has his like first day. Uh, he gets annoyed on for making him a bunch of money because like he leaves the shop for a couple of hours and then Bill Bailey's left on his own and people somebody pops ahead and goes, "Is the guy gone?" Yeah. And a bunch of people just pile into the shop and start spending money because they just didn't want to be around Bernard's character because he's just so... He's like, he has to go for a point one time, he just gets a megaphone like, right, everybody out. 
He'd rather just lock up the shop and not have anyone in so he can go to his appointments rather than leave anyone else to make him money. <laughs> it's like, go on, everyone get out. Back to your horrible lives. <laughs> <laughs> so the scene in the first episode where a customer's trying to get his attention while he's on the phone and he just grabs a pen and a note, writes on a post note and sticks it to his forehead and says, on the phone. Like you said, if it's, if it's not for you, I don't know how else to really describe the show. <laughs> yeah, I, unfortunately, I can't. I can't really add a lot to to this one because, as I say, I've never really, never really seen it, never really fancied it. But I do. I have always, you know, always loved Bill Bailey, and bless him, he, he's always looked about fifty, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, there's a fair few jokes made about his hair and his beards. So that's another, it's a reoccurring thing that he gets picked on for just how he looks. <laughs> like one point, Barry compares him to Mind the Merciless from Flash Gordon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, let's uh, let's go on to your number three. Okay, my number three is Game of Thrones. That's, this one I was very late getting getting into this. I think we're on about season. Five or possibly season six was there when I when I got into it and um I I've I've not that long moved out of my parents' house for the second time. I have I was a bit I was looking for things to watch. Um so I borrowed I thought my mum had the first two series on DVD so I thought yeah let me borrow this I'll I'll give it another go and uh, and, and see what you know see what I think of it again and yeah after the first two or three episodes I really did start to get into it and I think season two's when it sort of really really kicks off because we've had the the, the death of Sean Bean's character, Ned Stark, and that's what really, sort of really kicks things into gear into um, the, the battle for the throne, basically. Um, the king or the usurper, as they call, as they call him, because he he sort of won a war to take the throne. He he dies in a in a horrible accident that was sort of helped along by feeding him a lot of alcohol and. Um, so his son, who a lot of people think is illegitimate because his son's got blonde hair where he's got black hair and most of his other children that he's sired with his mistresses and all have black hair. So a lot, a lot of people t- think that this, this kid isn't his. And of course we know it isn't his. It's actually his wife's brother. <laughs> So there's a lot of incest in this, and this is one of the things that was putting me off to begin with. It's like, well, you know, there's a lot of incest and, and, and shit like that going on. I'm, I'm not too sure, but there's a lot more to get into the sort of fighting and the, the kind of politics of it. There's all these different people angling and playing their, as the title of the thing, the, the little games behind the scenes to, to try and get themselves as much power as possible. You've got... Um, Character, I forgot his full name, but Little Finger, his as his nickname, he's there pulling a lot of strings and setting things in motion. And you actually realise, uh, deep in uh, the later series, he is the one that sort of got everything going by uh, poisoning uh, the 
the hand of the the hand of the king, which is like the king's sort of number two, almost like a, a sort of, I suppose like a prime prime minister sort of position. I guess he helps advise the king and acts uh, on behalf of the king at times. So that's when he goes for for Ned Stark to be his hand instead because he's lifelong friends and he helped him battle uh, in the wars they fought many years before and yeah, that's when things start sort of going wrong and we we get led into this um, situation where we've got this young illegitimate king on the throne and, every, and all these other the brothers of uh, the King Baratheon are fighting uh, to get on the throne. You got Daenerys in the background. Do a lot of people politicking to put on the throne because she's a Targaryen who um, whose dynasty was the Iron Throne until this Baratheon the usurper sort of took on the Targaryens and won and took the throne for himself. So it's all very. All very complicated, but a lot of fun. There's lots of murder, there's lots of backstabbing, and it's only like really the last series where sort of things we kind of rushed it and things sort of fell off a cliff that it didn't quite hit. I mean, you got great CGI dragons. I mean, the CGI on on this show is like top tier, better than even some movies, especially these days. I mean, the dragons look so realistic, and that's one of the things as well that really sold me on it when at the end of series one where uh, the Hirsch has his eggs and she walks into a fire with them and she actually survives the fire and she has these dragons on her conveniently covering up her certain body parts but I thought dragons that's it now now I'm sold a program with dragons in it yeah because I remember hearing like a big selling point was like there being dragons in the show and it took a while for them to get there, but you're kind of just waiting for the day where they were like grown enough, and then you could mm. see them properly being used to like take people out. Which I remember they are like one of the best bits in the show with the dragons is like she one guy thinks like she's tricked, thinks that he's tricked dinners and selling one of them, and she reveals, "By the way, I can speak your language. So I know you've been talking yes. shit about me." <laughs> and then she gives the order to the dragon just to burn the guy alive and just. And the guy that that split moment of time when he realizes that he's fucked up right before he's burned, and the dragon shoots like fire down on him, is just one of those very cathartic moments. You're like, yes, that's something getting his comeuppance. Yeah, it's great. I love the way I love the way he sells it when he realize when she starts speaking in his language and he realizes she, she's un, she's understood him all the time because he was like calling her a, a a stupid bitch in the hall. In in um, Valerian because he thought she wouldn't understand it, and she did. And yeah, we see uh, like freely unsullied, and they and they and they follow and they follow her as a sort of private army, and she has a way of drawing people in and um, wanting to to follow her. I mean. I mean, that's all basically would all follow Amelia Clark to the ends of the earth. Let's, let's be honest now. Um, I mean, this version, yeah, this, this version, yes, not secret invasion. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, um, uh, you got the Dothraki as well as a great, sort of great clan of fighters and, and, and everything. You got characters like Tyrion, who's, who's like played. Brilliantly by um, again, his name's gone. What's his name? Scott. Uh, 
Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage, that's it. Um, he's brilliant, probably the best character in it. Uh, you got Jamie Lannister, who's a character you, you love to hate at the start, and then you sort of do sort of sympathize, start to sympathize with him a bit, and you start to, you start to, to like him, even though he pushed the child out the window to try and kill him. <laughs> it, it, it's just, it's just mad. And uh, Ran fell out the window, he spiraled down, and, uh, and quickly over the seasons, I so did our interest in him and anything he was involved in. <laughs> because, good lord. Yeah. One, of the few, yeah. one of the few good things he was involved in towards the end was that brief moment where you, know, you forget that he and Jamie haven't been in the same vicinity really since it happened. So, like, what, towards like the end of the final season, they real, he kind of looks across and sees them and kind of is reminded of like one of the the fact that he did that to him. Mm. I mean, if we were doing maybe top ten here, or it might have creeped in, but you know they'll given we're top five. I think I really thought a lot about how that last season kind of shat the bed in a lot of ways, and because I remember watching it live and kind of thinking like, seriously, that's how it's ending. Because I think like. George R. R. Martin kind of had an idea, has an idea of how it's ending, and he told them, "We said this is you can end it wherever you want, but this is how it needs to end because this is the idea I've got here." And like he's feel told the guys, like, "Oh, you can have ten seasons." And they said, "When you guys want to do a Star Wars show, hey, fuck it, sorry, we need to wrap this up." They wrapped up the show. It was so shit. Disney shot themselves, and they saw the negative feedback and said, "By the way, we're cancelling your project." <laughs> It wasn't, I don't think it was as quite as terrible as a lot of people make it out to be, but it wasn't, it certainly wasn't, it certainly wasn't great, and it was certainly, it was certainly rushed. I think it was always there that Daenerys would go off the deep end, which is what a lot of people didn't like, but because the last series didn't have many episodes, I think it needed, she needed a longer arc, um, to get there. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I love a lot of the stuff with Iris Stark as well. But you know, the people with no, the killers with no name, um, being no one, and you know, the like Mission Impossible sort of disguises and <laughs> and stuff is quite quite fun. So I, I love I loved all that. I mean, a lot of people didn't like that she killed the Night King, but that kind of made sense to me. I mean, what what's she been doing all that training for? She's you know, she's a she's a proper killer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, season, I mean, season six and season six and seven, though I think were really good. Like, because those were the seasons right before the the last season that they started. They did start ramping things up. Like, where someone has to go a journey, they take like three episodes or half a season for them to get to across one ocean. Then they quickly sped that up because they knew it was like it was, the next was getting closer to trying to take back the throne. And then in those scenes also you got to see a lot more behind the wall. So there was a lot more stuff with the Night King, seeing his was like that big fight with the, the wildlings and everything and then they managed to just barely escape they look across and he sees them as he just raises like, everyone who died in that fight all rises up again or the bit where Daenerys tries to save them and he has these like big ice pick and he just throws that at one of the dragons and he's thinking oh shit he's got a dragon now yeah that was yeah th- that was good I think season probably season probably season 6 is my favourite I-, I loved the last episode of that with uh, sort of Cersei blowing up the Citadel and Jon Snow being made King of the North and yeah we see uh, 
Daenerys finally set sail for for King's Landing and, and sort of reclaim the throne, sort of thing. So, um, yeah, that that had a that that had um, a, a really sort of great end, yeah, great ending and, and great going in the sort of the whole story. And I think you said this before is because uh, the the novel, the first novel, is called a story of fire and ice, and it is pretty much about Jon Snow and Daenerys eventually. Um, Eventually meeting up and sort of reclaiming the the, the throne, so to speak, because um, Jon Snow and Daenerys are probably the two most sort of pivotal characters, but everyone else plays plays their important role as well. Like I liked, um, is it Varys, the the spider? He plays a he plays a great character, and I was pretty miffed when he got killed off. I have to be honest, he was a great little great character, always scheming and and plotting and and backstabbing because his angle was to try and put uh, Daenerys on the throne. And um, it's quite a lot of um, the the first series really sticks very closely to to the first book, and then it starts veering off. A little bit more like characters who who don't die uh, get killed off, and characters who who um, get killed off when you know some characters live when they die and uh, and die when they live in the book. So that's um, a little bit different. They sort of killed off the hound. Well, we thought we did. They thought they did, but then they brought they brought him back. In uh, was it late on in series? Was it series six or five that yeah, like, the that, hound so. came back? I mean, I didn't care because you know he's one of my favourite characters, so I was like, yay! <laughs> when when we saw saw he was back, but yeah, um, great, great, great program in my view, despite the failings of the uh, the last series. So Scott, over to yeah. you. What's what's your next one? I mean, it's one of my favourite in, in Game of Thrones, but it wasn't a, a top five, maybe because of that last scene, but I can be here all day to a million. The fact that for me, and maybe all quite a few other people, were just to Pedro Pascal through this, mm. his role as the, the Viper, and him getting killed. Like, very few shows did be shock someone being killed off better than Game of Thrones. Because no matter who it was, whether how much you liked them or hated them, it always got people talking when they got killed off. It's basically doing that heel thing. You see him wrestling when they've got their opponent down and they're so busy sort of posturing uh, and whatnot that they forget that their down opponent might recover. (laughs) He was wasting his time trying to finish the story like Cody Rhodes and then Mm. it's like Cody, he was was not victorious in there. It's one of the most gruesome deaths as he gets his... um, Gets his face sort of popped like a melon, basically. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But yeah, my number three is a show that I was kind of late to, but you know, quickly got on board with, like, especially, like, especially after the first season, because I think the first season I knew more of like what happened. But then as as, as it went on, I, I was more and more in the dark about what was going to happen. And especially when I got to the most recent series, I was very much like going in blind. And that's Stranger Things. So, like, I think it's one of the like since it debuted, like one of the more recent Netflix like success stories in terms of like original like shows, and it's one of the few things they're not properly fucking cancelled. I think 
season five is going to come out next year, and that is, I think, it always was the plan to end after the fifth season. So they're going to do season five. I hope, I hope there's not something there about it seems like otherwise I look like an idiot, but I would happy, be happy if it went on further, but I believe it's going to end after season five. Par- apparently so, yeah, but I think there, there might be holds ups due to the, the, the ongoing strike, so it might end up being a bit later than next year now. Yeah. Apparently. So, so yeah, I kind of got into uh, the first season, obviously you got the character of Eleven and everything, it's all about features different creatures from a place called the Upside Down and he, how they come through into the real world and obviously Eleven is a big part of it and you've got this big lab where they're doing all these kind of experiments and everything. Uh, and so as, as it went on, I was trying just to see, like, okay, it's, you see there's a very clear story and the first one, how do you keep it going without it feeling like you're just trying dragging things out? And it does like feel like, especially season three, like where, where most shows of this type could kind of feel like they were getting a bit stale, they kept making things a bit more interesting with like the the kind of mind flare creature from the science used to have was kind of, they didn't realize they thought he locked him out, but he was still there and he was slowly but surely possessing people in order to build something to, to try and stop a living because he knew that her powers would be the one to kind of stop him. And then, yeah, the character of Vecna and his connection to Eleven revealed as season four goes on. And some people got sick of it. I didn't mind the, the uses of Kate Bush in season four, if I'm <laughs> honest. <laughs> I quite enjoyed it. But, and then get the teases going into yeah, season five and where things are going to go from there because, you know, Hawkins pretty much got, got pretty much fucked up at the end of season four. So how are they going to fix this? Yeah, this is another one that I have watched. Um, it, it would have been an honourable mention, but you know it's going to get its mention now. It's um, yeah, a really, a really fun program. I like the fact that it's sort of um, based in the eighties, which is uh, you know the, the decade I, I grew, I grew up in. So, so it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's one of, I don't think I got into it straight away, but I heard enough positive things about it that it seemed like it was worth giving a go. And, um, yeah, it was definitely, definitely was. Um, the one, the only, the only negative thing I can say about it is season four, the, the episodes did get a bit long. Oh, fucking, the, the finale is like well over two hours long. Like, you <laughs> you got a, <laughs> a whole movie sorry. into the length of that. <laughs> I think that was because I think they, they ended up splitting season four into two parts, I think, because of the pandemic. And instead of adding an extra episode, maybe I think they, they filmed quite a bit and realised when they got to later on, maybe they had to give a certain number of episodes. I thought, okay, episodes eight and nine are going to be very, very long. Yeah, I love the fact they brought they brought in uh, Robert England, who famously played Freddy Krueger, to 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 play a part in in there as well, which is which is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I like the I like all the villains, quote unquote. I think Vecna in season four is obviously the best one. Mm. You know, because like when he gets in your head, it seems like there's very little way to get away from him. So he does have that kind of that bit very threatening as a villain should be. You know, the kids, as far as kid actors go, the show I think wouldn't be as successful if the kid actors were weren't as good as they are. 
because especially like Millie Bobby Brown who plays the uh, plays eleven, Mike takes him really much getting used to in the first couple of seasons because he's a whiny little shit. <laughs> and I feel bad for saying this, but the guy, kid who plays well, I, I felt like maybe I think maybe they're turning this around in season four, going into five. But for seasons like two and three, I did feel like they were trying grasping for ways to keep him relevant to the series because obviously the first series is about him disappearing, how they get him back, and also they have season two being how the mind flare linked to him while he was in there. So it's you know using his trauma from what happened, but. Season three, he feels just so like useless. And it's a case of like, okay, well we've got this core four plus eleven. Everyone needs to play their part, and he seemed to be the one who seemed to fade into the background more often than not. Yeah, I mean, there are a few sort of weaker characters um, than the others. I forget her name now, but the um, red-haired girl that comes in uh, from I think about season two. She's she's a Becomes one of the the better characters, doesn't she? Yeah, Max. Must say, Max. Yeah, yeah. She's uh, in terms of like people kind of having like their careers kind of boosted from shows. You had Winona Ryder, who had a few years where she got blacklisted from Hollywood for a little while, but then she kind of came back to this as the mother uh, of as Will's mother. And then you got the David Harbour, who has had his own mm. through with that, and he was almost kind of given up on before he got. Where he got this part, and now everyone sees him as as Hopper. Yeah, it sort of really revitalised his career as well. He's um, been given a lot more parts and and whatnot. He, he was in the sort of ill-fated um, Twinkie reboot, wasn't he? Hellboy reboot, which uh, Hellboy, like yeah. a part a part that was made for him, but um, it just. Um, yeah, it wasn't very well made, unfortunately, but I think no, to no f- fault of his. Yeah, definitely not. And, like, we talked about, like, the whole cinematic budget behind, like, TV shows now and, like, her big budget this show is. Like, David Harbour said in an interview, it takes almost a month just to film one episode. And like, I think he said that before season four, so imagine how long it took to get those last few episodes filmed. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, it's uh, it's not surprising, especially some of these longer episodes. It's also got um, uh, I didn't realise, but I can totally see it in her face now. Um, Maya Hawke, who plays Robin Buckley, who's um, Uma Thurma's and Ethan Hawke's daughter. It's I had no idea, but then as soon as I found out, I was like, oh yeah, look at her face. It's so obvious. Yeah, <laughs> and and he says he was he was. Uh, out with her and someone stopped them and totally ignored him. I just wanted to picture and autograph of her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that must be surreal. <laughs> yeah, she's got her, Steve Harrington, I think as the show's gone on, has become my favourite character. And the way, because he used to be an arsehole, the way some other characters still mm. treat him, no matter what he's done, like to prove himself, is one of the one of the great things that still grates on me for the show, but I think he's kind of like kind of wrapping that up after what he did at the end of season four. But for a long time, like oh, like Jonathan especially was treating him as a dick. Like fuck you, yeah. That's that's uh, my number three. I almost said number two. Now we're going to your number two now. Okay, my number two. My, my some people 
might have thought this would be my number one, but it doesn't quite take the number one spot, is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This is a program I never expected to get into. I remember the the film coming out back in uh, night two, I think it was, and and that was uh absolute part of shite, basically. Um, and this has been made and produced by the same people, and I was like, well, I'm not sure about this, but it, uh, it was first year on Sky, that came on BBC One, and I was at a loose end, wasn't sure what to watch, and I thought, well, Sam Rochelle, I got a reset, and I'm a horny 17-year-old, so let's just give it a go. And it became very quickly after the first episode, I was hooked. It became very much more than Sarah Michelle Gellar being a, a very good-looking lady. It, it, it was just a really cool, cool supernatural show with uh, a lot going on and characters that really sort of grow on you and grow throughout the seasons as well. You get you know a lot of these programs like maybe Next Files and CSI where the characters are in this you know same status quo but you know because it started off at high school you, you get to see him grow through college and uh, and the jobs as the uh, as the series goes on i mean some some series uh, are obviously a lot stronger than others i was i would say the first probably three are probably the best where they're at school and that's where it kind of started off as like a School, you know, the monsters and that being the metaphor for uh, for all these sort of problems and and sort of horrors you face at school as as teenagers as you're trying to grow up and and sort of figure figure what sort of adult life life is as you you're on that sort of precipice of you know sixteen going on into your your late teens and be, be becoming a an adult. So you know it's all very well done and written and you get your villains and it's sort of also there have been series with female leads, but this was the first one that really presented the female leads as a you know both strong, intelligent character that, you know, could get by without her friends if necessary. And, you know, so there'd be the damsel in distress that's screaming for help. And it's just, you know, it's really funny. It's really witty. Um, for me, probably season two is probably the best series for me. My hell of interest, Angel goes bad, and boy, does he go really bad. And he had Spike, who was a cool vampire character as well, uh, with the bleach blonde hair and long leather jacket, and his sort of, he was always full of sort of witty quips and, and stuff. And they also they weren't afraid to kill off characters a lot of the time as well, which you know always you always have that sort of you get so a lot of series always gets harder to really feel a sense of danger because you always know the the main characters are, are going to survive and pull through. But, you know, the Buffy characters didn't get killed off. Even Buffy herself a couple of times, even though she was she was brought back. But but still, um, it was just, uh, yeah. Uh, the only thing these days I would say that dates it is when you see sort of technology and new shows in the classrooms they'd be using computers that you know were quite at the time but looked sort of archaic now unfortunately 
But yeah, this is the. Uh, I was I was probably at the right age, as I was seventeen, to sort of really get into it uh, and appreciate it because I felt like I was a, sort of the same age as the characters, and even though there's a lot of supernatural stuff going on, there's also a lot of relatable stuff as well. But there's you, there's a lot of people. There's usually sort of one person, one character you can kind of relate to a little bit. Um, and, and yeah, like, like, you know, went on for seven series and it's a little dip between season four uh, and six. Six was, uh, you know, six is probably my least favourite season apart from a few later, later episodes. I wasn't so keen on season six, but season seven sort of really stepped it up again uh, and, and then did the series on a, on a high, which was, which was really good. Is it a, 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 pro, a series you've ever dabbled in at all, Scott? I can't say that I have. I know of it, and I know obviously Bill Ryan will be like just just being involved in everything, but I can't say this is one that I myself really got into or had any inclination to really watch. Yeah, it is one of those. It is. It 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 did. It never got mass. It got really big in a way because it, it became a bit of a pop culture phenomenon, but it's there. It always stayed quite cultish as well. I mean, most people know of it and have heard of it, but yeah, not everybody has sort of has sort of watched it. It's it's a, it's a bit of a weird sort of paradox of a, a series for that. But uh, I don't think a lot. You know, I watch a lot of sci-fi shows, um, and I do. You know, and I can always pick up. Ooh, they they you know they nip that from Buffy they nip that that idea <laughs> you know Buffy did that idea better so you know it has influenced a lot of stuff yeah I mean I'm surprised you know I'm not surprised it's on your list you know because you and Sam Carmichael talked a lot about Buffy and like you mentioned that was her choice so yeah well I've not seen it, I'm definitely not surprised to hear you mention it <laughs> but yeah it's uh, yeah. That's, you know, what can you say about putting on my side? It's an excellent show. And there were rumours that we're going to try and do a reboot movie or something at one time and just, don't, just leave it alone. Don't try and reboot it. Just, you know, just leave it. And another, just as you have previous popularity, the uh, sort of HD remastered it a couple of times and they had to do it a couple of times because the first go around didn't really do it just this and did a bit of a poor job but um, the ones I've watched I think uh, have done it a little bit better uh, We'll go now to my number two mine is uh, a comedy series I think you need to have a slightly not fully dark or that but you need to have be able to laugh at some things that maybe you shouldn't laugh at. <laughs> maybe to enjoy this show. I number two, I was surprised that it squared up as high as it did, but I realised, and I remember too many times I've either watched compilations of moments from this show or the episodes itself. I realised like, it, it's pretty much a show I've watched quite a lot of. Uh, that's It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, the show, like, for a show that is like, not always been the most well known, but still, it's only has its cult following, you know, being on like FX or whatever it is in America. And, you know, they did okay ratings in the first season, but the first season isn't entirely the greatest. I think with a lot of comedy shows, their worst season is always their first one, because they're still trying to figure out what the show is. 
then they got told they need to try and find a major name for season two, otherwise you don't get a season two. And that's when they brought in Danny DeVito to be part of the show. And he easily slipped in as part of the team. And his and his shows went on from there, doing things that you probably would get cancelled for nowadays. Uh, but it's nice to keep on. Like They recently did the 15th season. I think they've got they got renewed for at least three or four more seasons, so they are they, they show no signs of stopping. You know, Charlie Day, I think, is the most recognisable name outside of Danny Vito from like the main like group of guys. Got Rob uh, McElhaney, who uh, owns Rex and SC alongside alongside Ryan Reynolds. His his wife uh, is plays the main female character, and then you got Glenn Howard and playing Dennis. Who, as the show goes on, slowly slowly reveals himself as secretly. Have the potential to be a serial killer, or at least be somewhat psychopathic. <laughs> There's there are so many video essays explaining why Dennis is secretly a sociopath. Dennis is secretly a serial killer, just by judging a lot of his actions in the and the uh, season, like the, the mid seasons. I mean, there were one or two episodes where they did a parody of Lethal Weapon, where they did do blackface in it, where they. Which I think have been removed from Netflix and most other streaming services. They did do an episode a few seasons ago where they addressed that and they wanted to do another remake, but then trying to get around, basically trying to do another Lethal Weapon film, but trying not be offensive <laughs> and basically <laughs> being the characters that they are who really have no morals, they, 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 they really struggle with it basically. <laughs> <laughs> Like if you're if you're if you're if you're looking for a show where characters learn a lesson at the end, this is not the show for you because they they never do. <laughs> this is one I've always wondered about, but I've actually never got round to watching because there's always been something else I've you know I've wanted to watch instead. So it's one I might give a go. And that's a Danny DeVito. I think he's one of the I think he's one of the more underrated actors because. <laughs> He always he always does a good job in whatever he's in. You know, he's brilliant at comedy and uh, dramatic stuff. I thought it was great as uh, Penguin in Batman mm-hmm. Returns. That's one of his one of his better dramatic roles. But yeah, he's so good. At, he's so good at the comedy as well. Um, Twins and uh, Jewel of the Nile and stuff like that. He's 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 a terrific actor. He's not afraid to send himself up either. No, no, he he's very much willing to make himself about the joke in this show. Or like, there's an episode where he decides to, that he didn't realise he's not got long left, so he decides to become even weirder than he already is. He's drinking, <laughs> he's drinking wine out of soda cans. He goes to his own brother's funeral and hits on his brother's recently widowed wife. <laughs> like, he's just absolutely reprehensible in this show. There's a funny episode where the gang all think they've got this this flu that's going around and they get quarantined in the bar's uh, toilet. But they soon realise it's because cause they're in a bar and they're often drinking themselves a lot of the day that the reason they were feeling sick is because they just hadn't had alcohol in a long time. They're going through <laughs> withdrawal symptoms. <laughs> they're, all, they're all pale, all sweaty, and they all think, they're like, oh, we're all going to die, we're all going to die. And in that same episode, Danny DeVito's character becomes obsessed with being clean and gets paranoid and keeps locking people away in quarantine <laughs> and ends up cutting all his hair off. Yeah, there, there, the it's not it hasn't happened often. There's the odd emotional moment. Like, I think it's the end of season fifteen. There's like three or so episodes back to back where they're in Ireland. 
where it's all centered around Charlie finally meeting his dad and there's a moment where Charlie has a bit of a breakdown. Uh, like he basically he had to carry his dad's body up a hill and then he's struggling and he starts breaking down like why am I doing this for you when there's all these things you should have done for me and he has this really emotional moment and like Charlie Day still being interested and it's about everything else he's doing in Hollywood is the main reason the show is still going because he's like said that because the other guys have said like Charlie would go off and do a movie in between seasons and come back and we're like we were like should we really still be doing this and Charlie's like no I really enjoyed doing this like this is so different from everything else I get to do. And it's pretty much him and those the other two male leads that are the right the co creators of it as well. So it's basically their their baby they basically get to get away with doing whatever they want. Sounds good. You really start to sell this to me now. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have really gonna have to check this out at some point. Yeah. yeah the, the, like I said, the first season is not the best when the end of you gets introduced to the start of season two onwards is when it really starts to hit stride in my opinion. Like the reoccurring thing is that Charlie's character, who, Charlie Day's character is called Charlie in the show. <laughs> you do get that a lot of these American ones, don't you, where they're playing, uh, you know, characters, you know, that share their name. Sometimes yeah. it's by coincidence and I think sometimes it is by design. Like Charlie Sheen got into, uh, a brief phase where he wouldn't play characters that weren't called fucking Charlie. But <laughs> Charlie's uh, a reoccurring thing with him is his, is his obsession with this waitress who he, nobody knows their name. They just call her waitress. Who, who, <laughs> no matter how many times she tells him no, he keeps pursuing. And she's played by Charlie Day's actual wife. Which is <laughs> <laughs> funny. But uh, we go from that into our honourable mentions, Carl, some shows that maybe if they were doing a top ten they would have made it or maybe just not made it. So are there your favourite shows that did quite make the list? So right, the list has got a bit bit longer, even during this as I remembered things. So I'll just I'll just say them by name in no particular order. But you know, you got you got programs like Star Trek, the original series and the next generation, um, The Witcher, I really enjoy on Netflix, the uh, Obi Wan, um mm-hmm. Loki, as we talked about before, he's definitely on there. Uh The Boys, love that. Not, you know, maybe when it's been around a bit longer that might replace something in the top five, but it's you know, that's definitely top ten material. Uh the IT crowd. I oh, mm. love that. Great little British comedy. Um, X, X Files has to be in there. 24 with Kiefer Sutherland where the events, uh, of the series are supposed to be happening across one day. Um, that, that's, that's a, a pretty unique and uh, good action program of Kiefer Sutherland. Who, you know, despite it happening in all in one day, he never eats or goes to the toilet. I mean, I don't know how the fuck he does it. Um, <laughs> he, uh, the BBC take, I think, which he did about 10 years ago on The Musketeers. That one for free series. That was really good, actually. One of BBC's better sort of efforts. Uh, you got Supernatural. That's, um, it did sort of start getting a bit long in the tooth after, after it's sort of, Tenth season for me, so that's probably why it doesn't quite crack the the high levels. But it is a it is a fun series. Friends always enjoyed Friends. New Girl, you got um, Red Dwarf has to be there, and of course Doctor Who is an honourable mention, not quite making 
the top five, even though I used to do a podcast about that back in the day, but uh, <laughs> not quite, not quite uh, mm-hmm. number one. Well, I've got quite a long list uh, myself. You've reminded me of a couple. Uh, I'll throw the boys in there. Maybe throw Mandalorian in there as well. Oh, yeah, if- yeah. Good job you mentioned that. Yeah, definitely the Mandalorian. Cracks in there. Kenobi was great as well. I think Mando, there's only one I rewatched and I was trying to show my mum and dad it, trying to get them into it. I realised the first season is a bit slower to start off with than I remembered it being. And then there are one or two episodes that are a bit divisive in season three, so I left that off. Uh, There are a few other shows where later offerings of the show kind of stopped it from being in the list. Dexter is one. Uh, if they ended it after four series, it would be on this list, but <laughs> those, <laughs> that latter half, especially the last season, Jesus Christ, I didn't even watch the, the reboot thing that they did. I was going to say it was the legacy version any good, but you've not, you've not even bothered with that. <laughs> not even bother. Uh, Simpsons is a show I rediscovered my love for during lock, the initial lockdown, but anything above after the 12th season that isn't the movie, in my opinion, is just not worth <laughs> <laughs> it's not worth watching so there's no because I can't put a show and my and then my favourites even though some of the shows that we've talked about have had guess, sketchy seasons like The Simpsons given how many seasons it's got right now has technically been bad longer than it was good <laughs> so it's amazing that, how long it's been going for though it really has it's probably on uh, new isn't it yeah yeah it is actually Older than me and my brother, <laughs> but, but not but not older than me. <laughs> You're just in there. You used to watch it. You had an onion on your belt, which was the style at the time. <laughs> I do have a, I, I have a group chat mainly related to sharing Simpsons related memes, which is called "There's an onion on my belt." <laughs> American Dad's another one I'm going to give a shout out to. Now you brought yeah. up. Bring up since just reminded me of that. Yeah, I, I might throw that as well. Because uh, I'm Scottish, I have to give an honourable mention to Still Game. Oh, that <laughs> is good. That is good, yeah. had six seasons. Uh, it spun off as Jack Vader character from the, the guys behind its original sketch show. Did six seasons. Went away. Did a live show. Did three more seasons. Season 7 was meh. Season 8, oh, is that right? Season 9, ah, well, it was fine. The finale did get a lump in my throat a little bit, I will admit. Just the way that it ends. Uh, it tells you what happens to them without actually telling you, you know. Sometimes, uh, that's, sometimes that's the best way. What We Do in the Shadows is a show I'm really in love with. Season 5 has just started. I don't think it's available over here in the UK just yet. Kind of this vampire mockumentary thing you know, produced by uh, Taika Waititi, Matt Berry being one of the main vampires in it and just anything he's involved in is, is a good time. There's whole compilations on YouTube just dedicated to the weird ways he, he pronounces things. Like there's an episode where he goes into hiding as Jackie Daytona as his alter ego his main disguise is adding a toothpick. <laughs> and he's, he's He's got such an amazing voice, doesn't he, Matt Berry? Hey, claims to be from, as he describes it, Tucson, Arizona, despite <laughs> not hiding his English accent at all. <laughs> uh, what else did I have? Uh, Community as a show. 
Uh, I remember being in love with kind of fell away from the last two seasons, but then went back and seen that they weren't actually as bad as I thought they might be. They got six seasons. They are giving it its movie eventually. So, you know, six seasons in a movie, the battle cry of community is finally happening. They, they thought they were getting cancelled after the fourth season, so they kind of wrapped it up. They got told, oh no, you can have a fifth season. So I didn't bring everybody back. Got cancelled, got put into a different platform so they could get that six seasons just so they could say, okay, we've got our six seasons, now where's our movie? Because <laughs> like, the six seasons in a movie was like a storyline in one episode and then everyone behind Community got behind it saying like, no, let's let's make sure, let's make Community have six seasons and a movie. I'm going to throw Clone Wars in there as an honourable mention. I'm going to throw Seinfeld in there as well, mainly because I only recently discovered my enjoyment of Seinfeld. It's not a laugh a minute kind of show in my pen, but I appreciate the clever writing of it. And you can pretty much skip season one of that as well. I never got into Seinfeld. Tried it a couple of times back in the day, but... <laughs> uh, I'm sure there were other shows I wrote down, but then I kind of removed my honourable mentions from us. I just had my five written down. So I'm sure there were others I could throw in there because I watched it again. Far too much fucking television. But I couldn't mention Friends like you because... Friends, I, I, I go through phases with friends. Sometimes I love, some years I love it, then the next year, like, I fucking hate this show, then I love it again. <laughs> so, I'm too conflicted on my feelings for it. But yeah, I mean, I've got this, this we just proves we watch far too much fucking television, and there's too much good <laughs> stuff out there. God, I think, I thought we'd switch up for number one because I think if anyone knows us, I think they may they, don't, they might not know what yours is, but I think they know what mine's is. <laughs> so I think to avoid ending this on a note that everyone saw coming, let's just go to my number one first. And of course, it's fucking Frasier. <laughs> no, I've never heard of it. <laughs> I was going to try and see how to do a bench, but like everyone knows what it is. That's right, Sex in the City. But uh, <laughs> no, no. Oh, well, that's it. You've given away mine now. Well. <laughs> Fucking done. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but yeah, but yeah, there was a point in my life where I didn't be saying that Frasier was my all-time favorite TV show was didn't seem possible because when I was a bit younger, I used to watch Frasier on Channel Four and I'd be like, ah, it's it's fine, but come on, put everyone loves Roman back on. <laughs> you know what? Because I, I used to do Channel Four, show one two episodes of Everybody's Room and two episodes of Frasier at like ten in the morning for some reason, but. Over time, I started getting a little bit more into it. Uh, me and Paul kind of bonded over the enjoyment of Frasier. And then I got the box set in 2015 and completely went through the series in a couple of months, all 11 of them. And we, we discovered that, you know, this, no, I, I should have given this show more attention. And like, I, I, I find a lot, even though it's, it's, this is a spin off from Cheer, like, it might be the, the most successful spin off of all time. Like, I could get into this show and watch as many episodes, like more episodes of this than I ever could have cheers. Like, two, maybe two, maybe three episodes of cheers is my absolute maximum sometimes, if I'm, if I ever watched it. But, Frasier, I could, like six episodes on each DVD when you get the box set, I could go through all six episodes without realising I've went through six episodes. Like, is that the disc done already? Yeah, it's, um, I never really got into cheers, but again, I did, I did like Frasier, and like you were saying, the the humour sort of 
very grown up, not in a sort of X-rated adult way, but in a very sort of clever and witty way. So when you're younger, a lot of it sort of goes over your head. And then when you rewatch it sort of in your twenties, you, a lot of stuff that didn't make you laugh is making you laugh. You're like, ah, oh, I see now. There's a couple of lines that he, he says that I really, I find, you know, I always find funny. Um, I love like when he's the one where we get, um, more is more. <laughs> and, uh, there's a great line where, uh, Daphne's chastised him as, ah, oh, typical man, using sex to get what you want. Afraid <laughs> of Daphne, how can men possibly use sex to get what we want? Sex is what we want. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh. Definitely, like some of her better moments are when she has times where she's annoyed at Fraser for something, and she just gives no shits and just gives it back to him. Uh, where like he's not he's what his episode where Fraser worried about some money he gave to Ross Elber with her and her she's just had a kid, and then he worries that she's like just wasting the money on herself, and then Daphne has a go and like by the way I'd, I'd like you this money X amount of time ago you've never paid you your high fancy caviar and all that and he goes like. I've already paid that thing for you, so actually you owe me five dollars. Oh, well, glad you told me. Now, not nice to let these things fester. Uh, mm. Like, like I said, like, like the writing, like I said, is a lot more clever, and you kind of appreciate it as you get older. Yes, I know it's about things that maybe most people aren't interested in, like wine and opera, which the whole thing is that all oh, there, like up, Fraser and Niles are a bit up their own arse. But it is not what is Nathan's guys at Tory Pish. <laughs> <laughs> because a lot of it plays a lot, there are previous episodes that play with the idea of people within the show not being able to relate to Niles and Fraser because they see them as snobs and them trying to prove that they are mm. relatable they often, when they really yeah they often get their comeuppance as well because they are, especially Fraser because he, he isn't he isn't sort of very self aware a lot of the times is he and he is as you say quite um, quite sort of up his up his own I think there's an episode where he gets a bit if myth because this restaurant doesn't have his uh his caricature picture up and then when he sees yeah. it he has a fit because you know because you over exaggerate all your sort of features <laughs> yeah me me and paul have made jokes about kelsey germa's hair like the first two seasons he got that weird long bit at the back but then he <laughs> yeah. Yeah, cuts that and then he just he's just got whatever's left hanging on to the back of it his first two season haircut me and him joke Jokingly referred to as the Professor Haircut, Professor mm, Fraser. Mm, yeah, mm, look. Mm. But honestly, I don't think me describing some of my favourite episodes is, is going to do this show any justice. Like, yeah, there were some seasons towards the end that aren't, did not hit the mark. Season 10 is one of my least favourite seasons by Country of Ireland. There are a handful of episodes that I could be sitting here all day and rip apart <laughs> for how shit they are. But I mean, that, that, no matter what, I go with this, when you get to the finale and his final radio broadcast, and before he moves away and he says goodbye to his family, he uh, that that, that you know, brought a tear to my eye, and I I wait with trepidation for this this new year phase they're doing. Yeah, I don't think I'll watch that um, unless I hear really good things about it because none of the none of the other supporting cast are coming back to it, are they? And I, I just. I'm just worried it's going to ruin it. So unless I hear really good stuff about it, I, I don't think I, I want to watch it because I don't want, you know, my uh, fra- you know my feel, feel, feelings towards Fraser to be ruined like other programs I've tried to 
reboot themselves and that. And here's a question for you. Do you think they missed the, do you think they missed the boat not making Niles gay? Cause I, I, I always had a hard job, even back in the day, believing that he was straight, to be honest. <laughs> well, I think it's because actor David Hay Pierce is gay in real no, life. No, I know, I know that, but yeah. the, the actor character is so, is so camp as well. <laughs> I just thought perhaps they should have made it, you know. I know back in those days that wasn't the done thing to do, but yeah. I, just, I just had a, such a hard time believing he was straight, even even way back in the day. I, re- I remember there was an episode in one of the last seasons where Patrick Stewart plays a gay character in it, and Fraser follows some guy that Ross did, who he's convinced is gay, into a gay bar, and so everyone's talking about local celebrity Dr. Crane in a gay bar and everyone assumes he's gay. <laughs> so then he gets, ends up getting courted by Patrick Stewart's character. <laughs> and because Patrick Stewart can get him into all these fancy parties, he just, he waits too long to correct him. And then Niles gets really jealous that he got invited to a party and their dad just sits there like, hmm. I mean, you know, this may sound a bit outdated, but a lot of his lines, all of his character is the fact that he's a different generation from his, his sons and everything, but mm. says, let's just, let's take stuff here. My son got asked out by a guy, and my other son is jealous. Yeah, life is good. Hmm. 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 Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Niles is the best character of the show, like by country mile in my opinion. You realize that as thing goes on, like. Oh, yeah, like, I'm not saying I don't. I don't like yeah. him as a character. Just no, no, no. Perhaps they, perhaps you know, they, they did miss a, they did miss a trick, not not making him gay. Maybe, Billy. One of my favorite lines, I was like, he used to always have a go at Roz for kind of sleeping around, and there was one where he sees her sitting with his dad, and Roz makes a joke about them being mad, like, I'm your new mom now. And Niles, quick as a flash, goes, well, I'll be a son of a bitch. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm sure Nathan, is already, if he's listening, has already turned this off, because I'm talking about Frasier again, but <laughs> on to your number one cut. Nathan has just never been clever enough to understand the humour. That's, that's all it is, Scott. Yeah, could you repeat that? You cut a little bit there. Nathan's never been what? <laughs> I said Nathan's never been able to understand the humour. That's why he doesn't like it. Yeah. It's because it's, it's something other people like, so he can't understand it. <laughs> yeah, he likes all this weird stuff like Liam, who's not subtitled on black and white and a bit sort of... Um, Pompous, he doesn't want to know. Yeah. But you yeah. said people might not know what my number one pick is, but I think it's obvious. I think it's all been building up to what was, you know, after a rewatch, I've realised it's the best programme of all time, and that is Andor. No, no. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm joking. He's fully lost his fine skit. On the care home. <laughs> I've been I've been brainwashed. I, <laughs> no. Um my favourite actually might be cheating a little bit, I don't know. There's actually a spin off from my second favourite programme, Buffy. It's, so it's another programme Scott Waterwatch, which is Angel, which is um 
that the vampire with a soul and it's a lot more gritty and grown up than than, than Buffy was. It's uh, a lot a lot darker in in in, in con- sort of context and and design and it's it, it was just a show that really drew me in from um from from day one when it when it originally aired and where Buffy set in a fictional town called Sunnydale, Angel's set in the very real town in in LA, you know, a big city. And it gives you a lot of scope for all these things that, that go you know, are in the you know, the, the underbelly of the city basically and you know, lots of you know, you have vampires and demons and that. Um sort of skulking around in the shadows and 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 doing things, but the main sort of overarching villains, and it's a bit different from uh, a lot of things because they don't sort of get killed off and defeated. They, they sort of spam the whole, you know, the whole five series is a uh, an evil law firm called Wolfram and Hart, which which sort of represents a lot of the the evil that Angel is trying to trying to deal with, and that they're also got a, an active interest in Angel himself because Soulless Angel is something they kind of want to work with and, and unleash in the world. So we sort of see the first couple of seasons, especially the second season, them trying to to get Angel sort of on 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 their side. Of, of things and in the other think it's working at one point because he sort of fires his crew and and goes really dark uh, and then we get back to season f- and then we get back to season sort of three where he's firmly back sort of in the fold of everybody and um and um, they're sort of going back to their sort of business as almost like supernatural private private eyes, which is you know they help help people who've got sort of demon problems and they don't know who else who to turn to because obviously no one's going to believe them. And uh, that's a sort of angel comes in. You got another cast member from Buffy Cordelia Chase. She she uh, she joins them from the first series. Uh, and they're really good foils for each other. Uh, you got a character Doyle for the first half of the first season. He sort of gets Angel, helps get Angel on on the right track, and he gets killed off halfway through the first series, which sort of lets you know a bit like Buffy that you know they're not afraid to to surprise you and, and kill characters off, even if they're popular. And they also bring another character who was a guest star. Uh, in, in Buffy was like a, a failed watcher called Wesley and he has a really good character arc throughout uh, just one series but the whole series as he gets a lot more competent and he gets quite darker at points where he decides he has to do kind of a, a bad thing for the greater good and he gets cast out of the group for a while and you sort of see how he sort of survives on his own and then in the fifth and final series, they actually get the king keys to the kingdom in a way. They get they get to uh, um, run uh, the LA division of Wolfram and Hearts, the the very thing they've been fighting up until then. And Neil sort of kind of know it's probably a way to corrupt them. It's almost like you know Charlie and the Chocolate Factory in, in a way. They they know 
it's they kind of know it's not great, but it's one of those things they can't sort of turn down. So we get to see them head up their own little divisions in Wolverine Heart and how they try and sort of do what they've always been doing, but with all these resources and, you, and there's a series of that first series of you kind of see how Wolf and Heart are trying to sort of. I've been trying to sort of manipulate them and uh, sort of perhaps use it as a distraction as they go about doing what they've been doing, but in a in a kind of different way. And it sort of ends not in a. It's not sort of tragic but it's not exactly happy either it sort of ends with the the fight continuing sort of which is a lot of people didn't like but I sort of got it because like the sort of angel story is because he's an eternal vampire the fight the fight against bad sort of never really ends it's always going to continue oh, you've really started to find the picture first so I, I certainly have not watched because it, it would be weird, weird for me to I've watched the spin-off show that I haven't watched. <laughs> no, no, I quite understand that. But yeah, it is. It's like a more adult version of Buffy in a way, and it takes uh, about half the first season to really find its feet. Because their first idea was it was going to be centered around the person needing help, but then they realised it's more interesting sort of watching sort of. Angel, you know, Angel's path to sort of redemption, so to speak, and um, how him and the characters grow and develop. Yep. But yeah, that's I, my number I, I, one. I wish, I wish I could add more, Cara, and not feel like I've left you hanging here, but I can, I can only do so much for a show I have not watched. But yeah, no, I'm no, glad, I, didn't, I'm glad I didn't expect you. I didn't expect you to have watched it, so um, I was quite prepared for that. But yeah, a very eclectic mix of uh, of TV shows here. Yeah, very much, especially when we cut it down to five, we would not have to similar a list here. Even though there are shows that we both liked on each other's ones that maybe would have been honourable mentions, like we didn't have like the same thing on either list, which is good. Yeah, very different. A lot more different than our, than our films and, uh, and that uh, was. And probably because of, you know, TV's right there. There's quite a big age difference between us, so we'd have got into yeah. different things at, at different times. Yeah, definitely. But we want to know what uh, some of your guys' favourite TV shows are. Feel, feel it, let us know at... Uh, Nathan Greenaway or whatever fuck his Twitter handle is now. Let him know. <laughs> Nathan Adler. Said, yeah, at Nathan Adler. Quickly, before he changes his name again. And he'll send this through to us so we can find out what's your, your list are. And do you agree with some of the placements of our shows? Do you, do you agree with Nathan? Do you not like Fraser? Do you watch Buffy but never watch Angel or vice versa? <laughs> Please let <laughs> us know. Yeah, we're, we hope to do these kind of top fives maybe every so often, like you said, when we don't have something to cover. So you'll be hearing this a couple of days after it's been recorded, and then at some point we're going to do an episode about Guardians 3. I think it's meant to come out some later this week, and when Carl gets a chance to watch yeah, it, we possibly, want to it. Possibly tomorrow, I think, isn't it? The 2nd of August, yeah. it's... You so yeah, hopefully in uh, a next week or two, uh, we can we can get our thoughts on that, and then there'll be a little bit, a week or so gap, and then we're back 
with the first three episodes of Ahsoka, and we're off to the races. Yeah, which we're really looking forward to. Which I'm annoyed now with these like Disney Plus releases being so fixed to a Wednesday, where now I've switched around my days where I used to be in office on a Thursday, home on a Wednesday. I've now switched. <laughs> I've now flipped reversed it. So now I need to wait till the evening time when I come home from work to to watch Ahsoka. First world problems, I know, but shut up. I'm going to have to try and engineer a two-hour lunch break now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can find an excuse to, you know, go for two hours. You're working at a charity <laughs> shop. You're like, I'm just going to go count some stock in the back. Go where have you been? You've been going for two hours. There was a lot of stuff back there. It took me a long time to get. I lost count at one point. <laughs> oh. But Carl, do you have uh, any plugs to give us before we round out this podcast for today? Yeah, you can find me at uh, Carlos underscore uh, is it? Uh, Carlos underscore Flutter. I, I, I started thinking about my email for some reason, and I got all confused. <laughs> yeah, Carlos underscore eighty on Twitter, uh, Instagram, Threads. If anyone is still using that, I haven't been on that for about a week now. It was all it was all hype, and it seems to have died down a bit. Twitter or X or whatever the fuck Elon Musk is calling it now. Um, you can find um, more podding ain't easy. I back catalog if you haven't listened to us talking about Secret Invasion, even despite it not being the best show in the world. Check check out our thoughts on that. Uh, there's rank banks you can you can check out. There's ones we've done with Reese, ones we've done without Scott, there's ones we've done without me. We did a Formula One one reasonably recently with Anthony making his debut, so you're gonna gotta listen to that. Um Check out the few episodes we did on Buffy the Vampire Slayer with Sam Carmichael if you're um, you know, interested and a, a fan of that show. Um, hopefully we'll be bringing the football pod back soon with the football season coming out. I know Scott's an avid listener of that one. Absolute avid. <laughs> football well, fanatic. Can't get, can't, get can't get through my week with a new episode. <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, lots of stuff, and I'm sure Scott's got plenty in the pipeline. So over to you, mate. Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at scumathorninternetflix. I haven't got a thread yet. I'm just waiting to see what the outcome of this Dick Swain contest between Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk gets <laughs> out. Whatever platform wins, I'll take. I'll give. I'll make a profile on there. Uh, Scott and Paul's Ram podcast at SP Rambling is available on our own feed and this feed here, Rogue Opinions. Uh, wherever you get your podcast. Uh, me and Paul do have a phrase-related podcast coming out in the next couple of days. And for the next three weeks uh, after that, we will be doing episodes on uh, on older summer slides. We're going 2004, then 2002, then 1998, in that order. <laughs> uh, some unique episodes uh, to happen there. Uh, over here in Rugged Pines, other than this, mostly uh, there's just Rank Bank, we can Reese have talked about the next subject the three of us are going to do, but it might not be for a little while longer until that can get recorded. Uh, Progress Expanding Review will eventually return, I promise. I feel like I haven't promised that for a while. Above all, eat, sleep, so bites, retreat, at so bites, retreat every so often. So, Sarah, you might hear me there. Uh, my, my The link is available on my social media platforms to the uh, 
just giving page for my uh, million step challenge for Diabetes UK. That's one month down, two to go. It's it's looking longer and longer a road <laughs> the further I walk down it. But that's the end up for this. I'm gonna keep going. And I thought that much will be an inch shorter by the end of it. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, it's been a long show. It's not actually been any, really any shorter than the films one, so I don't think oh, no. Good five. job we didn't do ten, did it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll blame it on the Loki trailer. We would have been done by now if we hadn't had Loki mm. to talk about. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> try to decide your, try now your favourite TV show down to five is not easy, as is podcasting. <laughs> Mm, mm, mm. Bye, Bye, everybody. everybody.